Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Positive Pessimist Podcast. It's Wrestling Wednesday. My guest today is James Cloyd. James Cloyd is a former wrestler for Dana College in Nebraska. He is also a mentor, a father, outstanding in both regards. He is one of the co-founders of Omaha. It's uh, very important for the youth wrestling in Omaha, and I'm very much looking forward to talking to him. I've talked to a lot of people on this podcast, but I've never talked to somebody who's this involved in the youth aspect of wrestling, so I'm really looking forward to that. And if you're in the Omaha area, I will be headlining the Funny Bone there in Omaha on on January 5th and 6th. Three shows. I believe it's uh, it's scrolling across the screen there where you can get tickets. I believe it's omaha.funnybone.com. But make sure you check that out. And without any further ado, let's bring in James. There he is. What's up, buddy? Nothing much. Uh just uh, celebrated Christmas. Uh, things are great. Got this time of year off, so it's a fun time of year. Yeah. Did you get to spend some? Uh, did you get to see your boys? Yes. Uh, both are home. Uh, one lives out of state, and one lives with us right now. So they're we're all here together, hanging out, enjoying enjoying family time. Alex and Anthony, right? Yes, that's correct. And uh, how far apart in age are they? Uh, they're just a little under two years apart you know okay so they grew up kind of you know best buds you know being so close in age there's one point where we had one in diapers and we had one in in a pull-up yeah i've got a five-year-old now and i kind of regret not he was born during like the height of covid and all that stuff and i was a little bit leery about you know having a kid at that time and without getting into all that um and now that he's five, I'm like, damn it. I wish I had given him a little brother or a sister, um, especially now because he's it just seems like I've done him a disservice by not giving him a kid, not giving him a brother or sister, especially that close in age. My brother and I were about um, close to two years apart. And, you know, we probably made each other better, better wrestlers. I know he made me a better wrestler because he used to beat up on me all the time. Were your kids competitive in that regard? Very competitive. And in fact, my youngest one, he would literally bug the older one. Alex would just mess around with Anthony and Anthony say, stop, stop, and just keep messing with him until, of course, he'd start wrestling. And then, of course, it'd go too far. Alex would end up crying. And then, of course, they'd come run, tell mom or dad. (laughs) So uh, there's a couple of times, you know, we're in Target shopping or, you know, small and all of a sudden they start wrestling, you know. (laughs) <laughs> at one point, you feel like going, hey, that was a nice takedown. And then the other part of you as a dad goes, stop. We can't do it here. We got to do it on the mat. Yeah. And they both started when they were how old? Four? Yeah, four years old. You know, they we just started just uh, taking them to wrestling practices and things like that. I uh, knew the head coach at the high school, and he invited me up. And they uh, entered two tournaments. Back then, they had pre-peewee tournaments that uh, you could enter on a Friday night, and they'd have a division called pre-K and K. And so kids got to wrestle in that, and it was probably the funnest thing as a dad to watch that, you know, just seeing these little kids just being introduced to the sport of wrestling and sometimes not really knowing what they're doing, but they're doing the best they can. And um, I was one of those dads where, they had to play a musical instrument and they had to wrestle till eighth grade. Everything else was negotiable. And so there's points where people are going, you're making your kids wrestle. Well, you know, <laughs> people make, you know, kids, you know, uh, play the piano. They make kids, you know, learn how to do, you know, write well, how to do math. And 
uh, wrestling is just one of those things that really is good for helping, you know, folks think off the mat, you know, just that, that quick thinking and, and also just the adversity, you know, sometimes you can wrestle someone that's better than you and you can upset them. Sometimes you can wrestle someone who's not as good and you can lose. And it's just that whole mental toughness. Were they both on board with wrestling or did either one of them ever give you any, any problems with not wanting to? You know, they hit this period about seventh grade, sixth grade, where they're like, Dad, we want to do select basketball. So it's like, okay, well, you can't quit wrestling, but we'll do select basketball. So every night, literally, we had a practice. We're either going to baseball or basketball or going to wrestling, you know, soccer or something along those lines. And uh, luckily for us, they were pretty good athletes. And so the coaches that we had for basketball, we said, okay, here are the important tournaments that we cannot miss. So if you have an out-of-town basketball tournament or, or game those weekends, we will not be there. And they were fortunate enough not to schedule anything major during the times that we had major wrestling events. And they both, uh, I thought it was their choice. You know, I thought for sure my oldest would pick basketball because he was a pretty good point guard. Uh, but he actually picked wrestling. And my youngest one, he was a pretty tall kid. I thought he was going to pick basketball, but he picked wrestling. So, again, it was their choice when they got to ninth, ninth grade. And I was blessed that they decided to stick with it. Yeah. Why, why was it so important to you that they did wrestle? Mm -hmm. Great question. You know, I was introduced to wrestling by a good friend of mine, um, Chad Crouch, way back in uh, seventh grade, seventh, eighth grade. And uh, he introduced me to the sport of wrestling. I didn't know anything about it. We were both artists, and that's how we kind of became friends and uh, had a chance to go down and, and wrestle. And it was just amazing how things happened. My first year, I didn't even have wrestling shoes. I literally wrestled in my Converse basketball shoes. But uh, a couple of things that stood out. I remember that there's this, uh, this bully that was in our neighborhood, and, you know, no one wanted to mess with the bully. And I had to wrestle that bully at one of our club dual meets, and I had to go up a weight to wrestle him. And coach, you know, just gave me the right pep talk and everything, and it all aligned itself, and I ended up beating this kid. We ended up winning the dual meet, you know, by having me bump up a weight. And I'm only in, like, uh, eighth grade, ninth grade. I didn't understand all of this at the time, but it just gave me that confidence that it doesn't matter, you know, if you believe in yourself, you got folks that believe in you, you can, you can, you can do it, you can accomplish it. And I had that happen over and over again in my life. You know, I, I was uh, my junior year in high school. I was going to have to have a medical default at this tournament. The coach says, well, if you medical default, uh, you don't get any points. We don't get any team points. And right now we're in the hunt. So I had to go out there and wrestle this, this kid, a senior. He had already beat me twice, you know, once at Metro's, once at our, our own tournament. So coach says, well, just go out there, wrestle around for a little bit, just get 30 seconds and then you know, then we can default and then you'll still place. And so, I don't know, I was just feeling like, okay, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm going to end up quitting this match. So I just went out there and I just wrestled without thinking. And I ended up, ended up beating this senior uh, my junior year and just taking him down. It was just one of those things where, again, I realized those first two times I was kind of wrestling a little bit timid. And, but when I went out there with nothing to lose and just put it all out there, I ended up beating this kid the last time we wrestled. Guy was there, Dana, college coach, uh, you know, talked to me about coming to Dana at that point. And it, it just, again, there's so many stories like that where you had a chance to really just have that mental focus. You had a coach that believed in you and then just being able to exceed that expectation. And I just, that's something that I wanted my kids to experience, that no matter what life throws at you, 
you have an opportunity to overcome that if you believe in yourself and you surround yourself with the right people. Well, two things. First of all, I've been calling it Dana College for like 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually Dana. Most most people call it Dana. <laughs> okay. It's well, Dana I'm, College, yeah. I'm glad to be corrected on that because I've been calling it the wrong thing forever. Um, and the second thing I wanted to say is, isn't it amazing how uh, – much better you can wrestle and how much better just life is in general when you go into it with an attitude of I got nothing to lose you know yes. uh, um I mean I still look back at my career sometimes and think like what were you so worried about you know like if I had lost or whatever it didn't matter and I think that was instilled in me from a young age was you know the winning aspect of it my dad wasn't like abusive or anything but he definitely treated us better when we won versus when we lost again he wasn't mean about it but he definitely like paid more attention and that kind of thing and and looking back on it i wish i had had just more of a it doesn't matter mentality um concerning a lot of things and i'm that way now with comedy and just in in general and i remember reading a thing from kobe bryant he was talking about how his dad he came back from a, a camp and he was telling he was telling his dad, he's like, dad, I couldn't score a point. And his dad looked at him and said, Kobe, I love you the same if you score 60 points or zero points. And he said it gave him permission, so to speak, to fail, to just get good at it. Yes. Um, so if my son, uh, I hope he wants to wrestle and I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen. Um, but that's going to be my mentality for it is I just want him to know that he's loved no matter what. And I just want him to try hard and do the best he can. And all that winning stuff will take care of itself if you work hard and, and try to have fun with it, which leads me into, well, first of all, I wanted to, before I ask you this question, I wanted to ask you about your boys. Uh, they were both state finalists. They both played football in college. Uh, one was an undefeated state champion. The other one just lost a handful of times his senior year what's what's it feel like as a father to see your kids not only win but just to compete in general oh there's no feeling like it in the wor world you know i think one of my favorite t-shirts i wear it's a north south high school shirt but it says on the back um uh something along the lines of uh, my favorite, I know my favorite athlete because I raised mine, you know, basically saying that these two kids are my favorite athletes in the whole world. Um, but watching them, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, but as parents, we want to help our kids understand some of the pitfalls that we experience. You don't have to actually experience that in order to learn. You can sometimes just learn by listening to other folks' trials and tribulations. And so, you know, with my kids, I just wanted them to have that experience. And I remember my oldest son, he loved football and that was his number one sport. Then baseball wrestling was third. And so you'd always see like if the match got too hard, you could see this little thing that just kind of switched off. But you never saw that in football. You actually saw it switch on when the when the competition got tough. So I just remember going into his senior year. I said, hey, you don't have to like wrestling to be a state champion. And we, we always told them you don't have to like the, the teacher in order to get an A in the class you have to go in there and have a certain mindset. And it's like, it clicked for him that year. And he just went on this terror. And like I said, only had three losses uh, that year. My older, other son, he was the kid that I always talked with the parents about. He was a 500 club wrestler. And talk about getting, you know, where you really have to kind of control yourself as a parent. Cause it's like, oh my gosh, you can see the potential in him, but something would not switch with him. And 
he was a 500 wrestler. He didn't make varsity until his junior year, but he went on a tear and it all just kind of made sense for him. And I tell parents, I said, I had my oldest son lose in the finals and mom and dad cried when he lost. A couple of years later, we have our youngest son win in the finals and mom and dad cried, you know, and it was just one of those things because we understand the, 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 the sacrifice that they made. You know, we all beefed up during football season and during wrestling, we all ate healthy, you know, so it was no more milk, you know, light on everything. And there's times where I'd maybe sneak a burger and eat it before I got home and then have a salad with them. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's, it was nothing like watching them just grow into their own and just mature um, as, as young men, but also mature as wrestlers. Yeah. How did they, how did they take that? How did, how did your oldest take uh, losing his final? And what did you say to him afterwards? Do you remember? Yes. You know, it was so tough because we were in second place and he had lost this kid early in the year and he knew he, he had figured out, well, gosh, if I don't get majored, we can still win a team title. So he went out there with the focus of not losing by so many points to help the team win a team title. And, and, and looking back on that, we had a, a Thanksgiving dinner. He says, Dad, you know, if I would have went out there and actually wrestled 100% versus trying to focus on the team, it could have been a different story. I said, you're exactly right, son. I said, and these are the lessons that wrestling will teach you. I said, you guys were two gladiators. You're wrestling a guy who was undefeated four years in a row. You know, you had a chance to avenge your loss, you know, but you went out there thinking more about the team. It is an individual sport, but it is also a team sport, but it's an individual sport first. But the fact that it, he got it and it made sense to him, you know, um, very, very rewarding. I remember just telling him we always talked about effort. And, I, you know, I just remember, you know, we hugged him. We cried together, you know, with him and mom. And I said, hey, I am so proud of you. You don't even like wrestling. It's your third favorite sport. And you went out there with the focus on what you needed to do to help the team. You know, and it was just one of those things that we were still proud of him. And, you know, like I said, you fast forward two years later, we, you know, my youngest son wins and the kid that he beat, they, the kid is from a great family. I mean, we, we got to know them, you know, prior to them wrestling and everything. And I just remember even reaching out to him saying, Hey, don't worry about this. This loss doesn't define who you are. It's just one chapter in your life. And so take this and move on. And that man, young man was such a nice young man. Every time I see him, he'll make a point to say hi. He even called me and said, hey, Mr. Claude, I'd be honored if you DJ our wedding reception. You know, that's that's kind of the, the strength of the wrestling community. When you really think about putting the effort first, don't focus on the wins, but just be proud of your kids for the effort. Yeah. Yeah, um, a lot of things you said made me think of a lot of things. The hardest part about this podcast is like earmarking things in your brain, like, oh, I want to talk about that because he touched on this or that. Um, so what I, what I, I, that's part of what I love about this sport, too, is that nothing bonds you to someone like at one point wanting to kill them. Um, <laughs> you know, some of, some of my favorite people are people that I, I wrestled or got into a fight with in, in grade school or something. And then we became friends. Um, so did either one of them want to wrestle in college? You know, my, uh, youngest one, he wanted to wrestle in college and he ended up uh, accepting a scholarship at the university of North Dakota. They didn't have a wrestling program because hockey's so big there, 
But uh, he was one of those kids. He goes, Dad, if I could have wrestled and played football in college, I would have. And, you know, it would have been fun to see him wrestle a few more years uh, just because he really came into his own his last two years. Why, why do you think that wrestlers uh, make such good football players? You know, I think they have a, a good understanding of just leverage, you know, and just that balance. You know, you spend so many years of just, you know, pushing and pulling and just trying to, you know, it's like a chess match. You're trying to get, you know, your opponent to do what you want them to do so you can take advantage of them. And uh, I just remember one of the reasons they recruited him as a tight end. He played tight end defensive end, but they recruited him because of how good he was, you know, with his leverage and holding the block. And I learned he's like, Dad, I don't need to pancake block these these defenders. I just need to hold my ground. I just put the button in the hole and hold my ground. And it's just like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Less energy, you know, wasted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he was definitely, I think, you know, when you see a lot of wrestlers make that transition to football, I just know even when I was a, a young coach, we often recruited football players that had never wrestled. It's like, oh, you're a good football player, but you could be much better if you wrestled. Yeah. Plus, plus it probably helps a lot with tackling, doesn't it? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. When you have a, a wrestler that's a great uh, at, at taking folks down, it naturally, um, it, it naturally, you can naturally see that on the football field. I mean, I've had kids who, you know, they're only maybe 98, 110 pounds, but they're able to tackle kids that, you know, weigh 50 pounds more than them because they had good technique when it came to, you know, takedowns, double legs, blast doubles, things like that. Yeah. Um, the kid that beat your oldest son in the finals, you said he was undefeated for four years? Yeah. Uh, Rayvon Perkins. You know, he came from a oh, family wow. of wrestlers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, family of wrestlers. And they, you know, it's like, it's the moment you live for as an athlete. It's a gladiator against another gladiator. And you got to go out there and you, you, you're supposed to, you know, leave it all out on the line. And, you know, the first time they met, things didn't go the way my son wanted wanted it to go. But I noticed that, you know, my, my older son was very strong, lifted weights. And I'm like, okay, you took down and you weren't able to get up. If we see him in the finals, you have to take top and see if you can cradle him or turn him, you know. And my, bless my heart, my oldest son is such a rule follower. And he gets, uh, we're in state, it's second period, it's his choice. He gives a thumbs up to the coaches, coaches go down. He gives a thumbs up, coaches go down, he goes down. And, you know, and, and I, you know, I talk with the, my kids. I said, "Hey, when you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, you whatever the coaches tell you, you do. You become a senior, you can make an audible, but you got to live with that decision. So if coach wants you to go down and you want to go up because you feel like that's an advantage, you do that. You, you can do that as a senior, but you got to live with the consequences, the the you know positive consequences as well as negative consequences of that action." And he decided to go down because the coaches sat down, and we we talked about it later afterwards with the coaches like. You know, James, you're right. You know, we forgot that we should have had him go on top, you know, but it's just those little things. Dads pick up on all that stuff because we only have to focus on our kid. Whereas coaches, they got to focus on all the wrestlers. Yeah. And your youngest son went 55 and zero as a senior, correct? Yes. And only he, lost three as a junior? He only lost three as a junior. He, he corrected me the other day. I was talking to him. He said, oh, dad, it was actually five as a junior. I said, okay. I thought it was only three. <laughs> so, okay. but yeah, he had five losses as a junior, but he was one of those kids. And uh, each summer we always tried to go to like some type of uh, team uh, camp or something like that. And they went down to the Missouri uh, camp for wrestling camp that summer. And uh, he found out that he had the wrestle heavyweight. He thought that they were going to have a pound allowance. And he could wrestle 195. And so 
while he was down there, he was expected to be a leader to the younger guys. And he just kind of came into his own, something about being at that camp. And he came back and he was just on a tear that year, uh, made it to the semifinals and lost on a controversial out of bounds call. He, we thought he had to take down. He wasn't awarded to take down. But I think that just fueled his fire. Then, you know, his senior year, I think he pinned pretty much all but five or six kids. I mean, just uh, just an unbelievable senior year. You couldn't ask for anything better to see a kid grow into his own. The kid who was crying, you know, in seventh grade, you know, ready to quit wrestling, uh, 500 wrestler, uh, no accolades, you know, as far as, you know, the youth level, as far as state champion or national champion, none of those things. And then just to go on and do what he did his junior and senior year was, it makes you proud as a parent. Yeah. That's something else I love about this sport is every now and again, you'll see someone who's very average or just, you know, not even that good sometimes. And they'll throw someone to their back that they weren't supposed to. Or I was talking to a, a guy the other day at one of my comedy shows that was a wrestler and we were talking about this kid in particular who was never very good. I mean, everyone used to just whoop on him all the time. And then he beat someone or almost beat someone that he never even got close to. And that kid, it was like a it was, it was like a flip switched, and he was never the same. He ended up being a state finalist in high school and doing really well his last couple of years of kids. And and I remember seeing that happen. Like he went from sucking to all of a sudden this kid was in the finals of every tournament because of that one moment. It's like it, something just clicked in him like, I can do this. I was telling my wife the other day about something, this kid that I had never beat, I had never scored a point on, and we wrestled in freestyle, and he took me down, and he leg placed me, and he's beating me four to nothing, and I threw him in a headlock right before the end of the period, and I walked back to that corner, and it was like electricity was flowing through me. I was so fired up because I had never scored on him and I just headlocked him, and then I went back out there and headlocked him two more times, and I was like, I could have always done that to him. He was just, I had a good headlock, and he was ripe for it, and um, and I, that kid never beat me again, and it's just, I, that's just something not to go off on it, but I, I love no. that about this sport, you know? Yeah, let me ask you this, Tim. Did you ever have a coach that, you know, took the time to teach you about visualization, just to visualize what you want to do and how you're going to do it? I don't know that I, I don't know that a coach did it or not, but I used to, I, at some point in my kid's career, started doing that. And, um, I, I, and, and a lot of times things would play out almost like deja vu from visualization. Is that something you preach a lot? Yeah, I, I learned that my senior year, we had a new coach and he, you know, really was into visualize the perfect takedown, visualize, you know, your movements all the way through. And I just remember going out and wrestling this kid and end up painting the kid in like 18 seconds, you know, and I'm all happy about it. Coach, I come over, he goes, Cloyd, didn't you see that kid was scared of you? You should have pinned him sooner. But, you know, <laughs> he, he always set the bar high. But then I, it was just those little things that I really started you know, saying, I need to teach this to my kids. You know, I, you don't need to wait till you're a senior in high school to learn those some of those things. And I've read books about a lot of the, you know, your high caliber athletes, you know, that make the Olympics. They do that visualization. You know, they, they picture the perfect, you know, landing if they're figure skaters or the perfect jump if there's, you know, um, you know, skiers, you know, things like that. And so in wrestling, we try to spend a little bit of time teaching that visualize what that perfect takedown when you actually do all the technique picture perfect what it looks like 
Yeah. Yeah, it's very beneficial. I think I remember Jordan Burroughs talking about how he visualizes a lot of things. Um, and I wanted to ask you about your philosophy because I thought that was great too, like making uh, you can tell us your philosophy. I don't want to mess it up, but uh, what's your, what is your coaching philosophy for, especially for little kids? Yeah. You know, and I still, this, you, you still want from Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, you know, he said in one of his first books, uh, teach the kids to love the game and then the hard work will come later. You know, and so that's really what I've tried to instill as an administrator for the wrestling clubs and things like that is teach the kids to love wrestling, you know, and if you're, you know, we have a lot of dads and moms that are coaches also. Well, it's it's more pressure for a kid when they're being coached by their parent because they still have to go right home, you know, with mom or dad. And so if you show that you're disappointed about that loss, they've disappointed coach and dad or coach and mom. So instead, focus on the effort. And I said, then you can generalize that to anything. When I have my kids take out the trash, did you do it with 100% effort or did you drag the bag and spill stuff along the way? When you shovel the driveway, did you do it with 100% effort? If you get a C on a test and you gave 100% effort, dad's going to be proud of you. But if I know that you can do better and you got a B minus, we're still going to have a conversation because you didn't give that effort. And so I've really tried to focus with the parents, focus on the effort, don't focus on the wins. No one's going to remember a kid who was a four-time or six-time state champion before high school. You know, that's just youth wrestling. The The wins really count when you get to high school, when you get to college. You know, so teach them to love wrestling, and then the hard work's going to follow. And you'll see it. I never made my kids lose weight. They Whatever you weigh is what you wrestle. When kids, when they got older, like middle school, they had my oldest had a choice to wrestle 100 or 110. He weighed 103. He decided he was going to wrestle 110, so he didn't have to lose weight. Okay, great. Oh, my gosh. He got <laughs> he got beat up and learned a lot of lessons. And <laughs> after that, he decided, I'm going to lose those three pounds. Well, you know what? We don't have to do that on one day, son. We can start naturally and do that. So we're just going to watch your, you know, your calorie intake and things like that. And then he made the decision that he wanted to wrestle 100 at the, the next time around as opposed to going at 110. And he, he was better. He competed better. And so it's one of those things where I think sometimes parents can try to relive their their life through their kids. And so they put too much pressure on the kids. Just focus on being mom and dad and loving them and and being proud of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my my dad didn't he didn't set out to do any of these things that but sometimes when especially when kids are real little, like my very first year, I wrestled 40, I wrestled 52 pounds, but I weighed like 50. And my dad was like, you know, you you could make 49 in the morning. And, and I did. And then I won three tournaments in a row. And I thought, well, that's what you got to do. <laughs> You've got to cut a little bit of weight. Even, and that's way too young to worry about that stuff. And I, to this yes. day, to this day, I have a borderline eating disorder, <laughs> I think because of it. Um, but I, I'm sorry, I, 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 it, it's easy to go off on a tangent when I get excited about things. Um, right. Because you touched on things that remind me of so much. Like before my son was even born, I'd be running on a treadmill and I'd get all fired up and and get tears in my eyes. You know, I'm a very sentimental person and I get tears in my eyes thinking about telling him someday. I didn't get fired up thinking about him winning necessarily. I got more fired up about telling him that I loved him after he lost and that didn't matter to me as long as he tried as hard as he could, because that was something my dad, 
as I got older, I think he realized like I have to make sure he knows I'm proud of him no matter what. And it meant the world to me. But I wish he would have done it when I was younger instead of thinking like, well, I can't let him know that I'm proud of him because then maybe he won't try as hard or, you know, maybe that was what his mentality was or whatever. But now I I get fired up thinking about those situations, like him being disappointed in like um, telling him that I love him. I just want him to try hard and have fun. And so that's why I think your philosophy is so great about teaching little kids to have fun so that they can enjoy it. Because like you said, I knew kids that were great kids wrestlers and didn't even make it to high school because their parents burned them out so bad before they even got to ninth grade, for God's sake. Yep, you're exactly right. You know, making them wrestle too many tournaments, you know, just the the conversations they'd have afterwards. I mean, I've seen situations where a parent is literally yelling at the kid and grabbing them by the arm, pulling them off the mat. And you're like, hold on, you know, Again, we're not here for that. We're here to really just help them to love the sport, help them to enjoy the sport. If you focus on winning right now, then that's that's the wrong focus. Yeah. How do you how do you deal with parents who, um, first of all, don't let me forget to ask you how you make it fun for them. But since we're talking about it, how do you make it? What do you do to? How do you deal with parents who do do those kind of things? Do you speak to them? Oh yeah, yeah. Great question. So, you know, beginning of the season, you know, most clubs do this. When at Miller South in particular, we, you know, have a parents meeting before the season even starts. And we just kind of, you know, explain our philosophy, you know, that we're a K through 12 program. And part of what we do, we're, we're not raising superstars, you know, on day one. It's a process. It's a marathon. And so we're not going to focus on the winning. What we are going to focus on is the kid getting better. Are they learning the seven basic skills when it comes to wrestling and things like that? That's how we're going to measure progress. Because if you measure on wins and losses, you have some kids that are late bloomers. You have some kids that just, you know, they're finding themselves. And so we've really tried to emphasize that um, with our, our our parents. We give out awards at the end of the year, and they're not um, focused all on who won the most. You know, we give out, hey, who had the best effort? You know, who... Um, uh, always smile no matter what in practice. Who is uh, courteous? You know, different things like that. We try. Who is the Iron Man? You know, Iron Man can be a person or a woman, you know, that uh, had a losing record, but guess what? They always showed grit and tenacity, you know. And those are the things that we've really tried to focus with with, with our parents. Um, and you always have some that we have to pull aside and tell them to ease up a little bit because sometimes they're just a little too critical. Um, and you just want to remind them that, hey, we want them to love the sport, not quit the sport. Um, that's part of it. And then as far as uh, making it fun for the kids, a lot of it depends on the age group. So, you know, when you're like six and under, it's really more like you're learning gymnastics. And, you know, you know, a lot of what you're doing is like you're you're running and you're doing some simple exercises. But those exercises are eventually going to lead into other skills, you know, when they're doing their skipping, they're jumping, the duck walk, you know, things like that. Eventually, we just want them to have fun. We don't focus a lot on wrestling. And in fact, they don't even enter tournaments. But then as they get older, we do want them to enter those novice tournaments. We do some of the games, you know, um, where at like a lot of times we'll end in the practice. And one of the favorite games that my kids enjoyed was uh, fish and minnows, you know, so our sharks and minnows. So you had like three or four that got to stand up and they got to, you know, run and kind of 
tackle or stop the other folks while they were trying to get to the other side while they were crawling and you know things like that it was a fun way to end practice or sometimes you'd do a bull in the ring and you'd have this big ring and you'd try to pull the person out of the circle you know things like that and just to hear the kids getting together and you know rooting for their teammates and things like that those are the things you know having the socials at the end of the year you know the ice cream socials and things like that um we we try to create a family atmosphere so that they know that this is their second family yeah yeah i had so much fun in kids wrestling do, do you ever run into parents who uh, do they push back at all when you tell them like to ease up a little or anything we you know we had a couple you know and um early on and we used to let parents come into the wrestling ring and then or into the wrestling room and then you know COVID happened and so at that point we didn't have parents in the wrestling room and we're like wow this actually works pretty good not having the parents in the wrestling room so we continued with that but um you know we had a, a one of our coaches was a great coach I mean this coach he could watch a match and tell you what the opponent was going to do. He coached my boys and things like that. But when it came to coaching his own son, he he sometimes struggled because he wanted it so bad for him that sometimes he would just yell a little too much. And you could hear the frustration in his voice. And I tell you, if this on a scale of one to 10, if 10 is outstanding, this coach was like a nine. I consider my skills about six and a half, seven, you know, but I, I, I would tell him, let me coach your son. I can coach your son because I'm going to not yell at him. And because once you yell at him, you could just see him melt like something shut down. And sure enough, we get in certain matches. I could coach his son and do well because he didn't have that pressure of dad yelling at him. And, you know, he came back to me. He said, you know what, James, you're right. I really need to ease up and I really need to have a different approach with him. I said, yeah. I said, these other kids, the way you coach, you put a fire in their belly. By, by the time you're done coaching, they think they can run through a brick wall. And some parents love that. And that's that's the beauty of having a good coaching staff because you have different coaches that have different styles, but they all understand the philosophy of the club. And some kids need that, but you have to recognize when a kid doesn't need that, when that kid just needs simple instructions and not without yelling at them, just simple instructions and just let them wrestle. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my dad was kind of like that, I, you know. And all kids are different. That was the that was the genius of Dan Gable, and that's part of why he got out of coaching as early as he did because it wore on him so much. Um, you know, he took the losses just like they were like they were his own. And I'm I, I'm good friends with Tom Ryan, the head coach at Ohio State, and he told me that his genius was he knew how each one of his wrestlers ticked, and he would call their grandparents if he had to. Um, to, to, to find out what made them the way they were. And my brother, if you, if you, if my dad said, it's over, you blew it. He would, I mean, he would go ballistic. He was never out of a match. And if, if I heard my dad say, it's over, you blew it. I'd be like, all right, well, <laughs> and I just <laughs> shut down, you know? Um, so, and we were brothers. So in completely different in so many ways. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's just, it's good to hear. It's good to hear you say that because I think a lot of the great coaches do that. I mean, I look at look at Deion Sanders over here coaching football. He he says that very same thing. He wants to know all about the kids, what makes them tick, what what motivates them. I saw it with the the coaches that recruited my youngest son at North Dakota. You know, they they specifically said when we go after a kid, it's like we're dating. We're starting a relationship and we're getting to know them. So we're not just gonna 
talk to him during the football season. We're going to come watch him wrestle. We're going to come watch him do his other activities and things like that because we're building this relationship and we want to get to know him outside of football. And I think all the great coaches do that. They, they find out what makes you tick, what motivates you. Have you had, uh, have you had kids that were obviously very like athletic and talented, but they dealt with nerves so bad that they couldn't perform on the mat? And, and how did you help those kids? We had one kid, and it's, it's funny looking at it now. He's a senior this year, but when he was in the club level, he was a kid that would get so nervous before he would wrestle. He would go in the bathroom, and we would have to coax him out and you know talk to him. His big brother was two years older, was a little better wrestler, and he was one of those kids, come on. If you just wrestle this time, we'll give you a candy bar when you get done. We don't care about you winning. Just go out there and have fun. And I kid you not, we had to go through this the first few years. And I just went to a, a dual meet last week and to see this kid, you know, he's a senior now. He's uh, uh, ranked in the top two or three in state. And he turned into such a nice young man. And just to see it. And I, of course, I, I said, hey, remember when we used to pull you out the bathrooms and, and try to talk <laughs> in the wrestling? He just laughed. I said, it's great to see you doing what you're doing now. He said, thank you, coach. You know, but you, you have those kids, you know, sometimes where you just got to meet them where they're at and just meet them where they're at and just continue to encourage them. You know, we've had kids where I think sometimes wrestling may have saved them because of maybe they had a bad situation at home because parents were going through a divorce or parents were, you know, maybe dad was abusive or whatever the case was. And their, their sanity was wrestling practice because, you know, we, 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 we we're teaching you, we're coaching you, but we also still respect you. You know, we're asking you questions and what you think. And we had one young man, probably any other kid, we probably would have, you know, kicked him off the team, but we knew, if he was kicked out of wrestling, he probably wouldn't graduate high school. And so we really had to change how we discipline him, but we still had to do it in a way that the other team, the rest of the teammates knew he's not getting a pass. And, you know, that kid had a great high school career, didn't wrestle at all in college, but he's one of the kids that anytime I see him, whether it's been a year or two years, he'll come up and give me a, a hug. He'll talk for a little bit. He'll always end by saying, I love you, coach. You know, and that right there, that means the world to me, you know, because wrestling wasn't the most important thing, but he learned those life lessons that we were talking about. You know, the fact that he's a good person, he's a good citizen, that's, that's, that's the reward. You know, that's when you know that you've done something right as a coach. Yeah. How does wrestling, in your opinion, make our society in general stronger? Because I, I talk to people about that sometimes. I'm like, you know, and that's why I think what you do is so important. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to talk to somebody who's so important at the kids level because I, I tell us about your opinion on that. Yeah. So ask the first part of that question again. Um, how, in your opinion, does wrestling make our society in general stronger? Stronger. Yeah. Great question. You know, I look at, we formed Omaha, Omaha Metro Area Wrestling Association, you know, back in 2009. And what I noticed is that most of the clubs, we had the same problems. We were competing against each other, but we had the same internal problems when it came to working with parents, uh, when it came to having volunteers to help with the tournament. And I said, okay, if we can form this, this, this um, association, we're going to collaborate off the mat and compete on the mat. And what I've noticed as a result of that, 
So now when things happen, instead of us getting mad saying, oh, we're, we're going to put an X, a bullseye on that club. We're going to hunt them down. We're going to beat them every time we see them. We're like, hey, we have this situation happen. What do you think about? That? And now we're communicating and we're talking more because we understand that when we're raising wrestlers, we're not just raising our wrestlers. We're raising all the wrestlers in the community. And so as a result of that, I've seen better communication where people are helping each other out. I've seen um, uh, coaches say, hey, this parent and kid, they really aren't clicking at our club, but uh, they want to move over to your club. We're okay with that. Are you guys okay with it? And yeah, beforehand, we would accuse the other club of stealing our kid, you know, and things like that. Um, But I've just really seen the wrestling community is so strong because I think we all understand, even if you don't, you've never wrestled, you're just a sibling, a sister, or you're a grandma, you understand the sacrifice that they've gone through and you go there and you sit in that gym, you know, sometimes all day long, but you appreciate the work that they've done to get to where they're at. You appreciate their effort. And I say, unlike any other community, the wrestling community is probably the strongest. I can see friends that I played football against. We might say hello, but if I see someone I wrestled against, even if we were arch enemies, we'll come up, give each other a hug and say, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Good to see you. You know, Um, if there's a a situation where someone had house fire, your house burns down, the wrestling community is going to get together and say, hey, let's start a GoFundMe. Let's help here. You know, they're always reaching out to help. And I just think that, you know, that's something that we've instilled because of that hard work and just that, that sacrifice that it translates to just being good citizens off the mat and also working hard off the mat. You can accomplish whatever you want. Yeah. What a, what a great big picture outlook, you know, rather than kids, just rather than coaches and everything wanting to be the best club, the best kids club and all that. I mean, how, have you ever thought about how much stronger uh, Omaha has made Nebraska wrestling? Because it has to be incalculable as far as that goes. I don't think I said that word right, but <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we I think we've done you know before Omaha, you know, you have uh, AAU wrestling, you have USA wrestling, you know, and those are the two you know big organizations in Nebraska, and so it's always one against the other. And, you know, one of the things that we stress when we formed is there's room for both. And why would I want a kid from Nebraska just to be an AAU champion or just to be a USA champion? I would want that kid to be a champion in both. Why? Because now it makes it look better for that kid regionally when they go to other tournaments and things like that. I said, we have all the time in boxing, undisputed box, you know, champions, you know, Bud, Terrence Crawford, he had four belts, you know, so if we can do work together and still respect, okay, your organization is a little bit differently, different here. This organization is different. What's the common denominators? Parents don't really care. They, when they join a club, they just happen to be associated with whatever club your insurance is with, you know, things like that. And so I think we've gone a long way to the point where we really work hard now that those tournaments aren't on the same weekend. You know, if we have them on different weekends, you can go to AAU state and you can go to USA state and you can be a state champion in from both organizations. Whereas before, sometimes you'd have to compete and make a decision. Um, we've grown like uh, as USA wrestling tried to increase their membership when they first started the districts, you didn't have to have a USA card. 
But as we continue to nurture that and grow it, we got to the point where four years, five years later, okay, now you have to have a USA card. And then we talk about the benefit. And what we're noticing now is clubs will usually have like beginning wrestlers, intermediate, and then their um, advanced wrestlers or their varsity wrestlers. Most of your varsity wrestlers are usually going to have an USA card and an AAU card because they're wrestling uh, in-state and out-of-state. And so I think we've played a part in that. And the other thing that we've done is – you know, we posted an annual tournament, we give scholarships back to kids. And so they don't need to wait till they're in high school or college to write their first thank you letter. So we give out scholarships every year. And part of the condition of them accepting or getting their scholarship is they have to write a thank you letter or create a thank you video. And the reason that we didn't limit it to just writing, some kids as they're growing up, they're not good writers. They don't feel confident about their academic skills, but guess what? They're good with poetry. Maybe they're good rapping. Maybe they're good with videography, you know, so they can create that thank you in any form format that they want, as long as they're able to, you know, say, hey, thanks for this donation. And what we're doing there, we're instilling those skills now while they're young. So when they get to high school, it's going to be second nature for them to write a thank you letter. It's going to be second nature for them to write a thank you because they've received the scholarship to go to college. And so those are the things that we've been able to do because we can see the big picture outside of wrestling and we've tried to instill if we can teach life lessons you know uh through wrestling it's going to translate to them being better citizens better people off the mat how, how did you come up with the idea you and your co-founder i'm sorry i forget his name right now but how did you guys come up with the idea for omoa well you know what it kind of started that you know back back before 2009 you know, there's only so many Saturdays in a, in the wrestling season. Youth wrestling, depending on what part of the state you're in, if you're in the eastern part of Nebraska, we might start uh, late October, early November. If you're in the um, western part of the state, sometimes you may not start youth wrestling till January because you only have one gym, so you have to wait till high school wrestling's over. And so, recognizing that, you kind of pick at the beginning of the season what tournament you're going to go to, and it was always like. These, uh, I call them like backhand deals. Okay, if I come to your tournament and I bring 25 kids, you got to come to my tournament, you got to bring 25 kids. Okay, if I come to your tournament, I bring 50 kids. Well, I can't bring 50 kids, but I'll bring my advanced kids and I'll bring the beginner kids going here. So back then, you're always trying to build your tournament by having relationships with other clubs and going to their tournament and so on. As things got bigger and better, you know, sometimes you just couldn't go to a tournament and then people would have a grudge. And so one of the things that we did with Amawa, we said, okay, let's have a, 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 a tournament calendar and let's put it all out there so we know and parents can see. And then we talked about, hey, if you're not going to be able to make it to a tournament, then just let the other club know what's going on. So that way they don't have to assume or make assumptions. So they'd say, hey, we only, we're down coaches this year. We only have four coaches, so we can't uh, divide up and go to two different tournaments this weekend. So we're going to go to this tournament. Or we'd say, hey, we're going to go to the odd tournaments this year. We'll go to the even tournaments on this year because they're both on the same day. So we and instinctively with that communication, we found ways to how we could better communicate with each other and then let them know that, hey, we're here to help you guys, um, but we can't always show up. And here's another way that we can su support you, you know, and that that's been great. So anytime now we have a problem, people will pick up the phone now or send an email and say, hey, I need help with this or, hey, I have a question about this. Whereas before 
we would just hold a grudge, not talk, and we'd just say, okay, we're going to beat them. We're going to, you know, we're out to get them every time we see them at a tournament now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great, man. I love all of that. And and ultimately what it does is strengthen wrestling as a whole. And USA Wrestling, in my opinion, is, has never been in a better spot than it is right now. And I think it's because of of guys like yourself and the things that you're doing at the kids level. And um, so I just love all of that. And I would also love to hear um, some of your favorite, maybe a couple of your favorite success stories um, from, from coaching and from being involved in as much as you have. Wow. You know, I, <clears throat> I think about it, there's a couple of things that come to mind. I kind of mentioned the one about the kid who, you know, was, you know, four times and he, you know, I think we helped save him as a result of wrestling. We had another kid where in a couple of situations we've actually had where things happen in life, you know, parents are going through a divorce or whatever the case that impacts the family, you know, and, you know, sometimes kids can take that personally. And it's not that dad and mom don't love you anymore. It's just that mom and dad are not getting along to the point that they think this is what's best for us as a family. And and, and it, it, it tears at kids. And I've seen kids who, are, who have done well academically and then all of a sudden that happens. And it, 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 it all of a sudden now they're acting out. They're doing things that maybe they wouldn't do. But we had one young man. He was just definitely a handful. Mom didn't know what to do with him. One of our coaches said, you know what? Tell you what, since dad's not really in the picture, you know, the way that he used to be, he can live with me. And if he lives with me, these are the rules he's going to follow. This is what he's going to do, blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, his, you know, his senior year, he ends up living, you know, with one of our coaches. And he was uh, second or third all year in state. He could not beat the kid who was ranked number one. And so coach tells him, he's, you're going to beat the kid. Same coach that has that, 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 that fire. He, he, he coaches with that, putting that fire in your belly. He said, you're going to beat this kid. I want to tell you how you're going to beat him. He's good on his feet, but he's going to do his blast double. You're going to have to be ready to counter that and scramble. And if you can get him in the scramble, that's going to be your best shot at winning state. And I'll mind you, this kid's 220 pounds, but he thinks he's like a 155 pound wrestler. Sure enough, State, he makes it to the finals. He ends up wrestling this kid he hasn't beat all year. And he everything that Coach said was going to happen, it happened that way. And I look back at that kid, and number one, if Coach wasn't willing to say, hey, I'm going to let you live with me, you're going to follow this regiment, you're going to lift weights, you're going to do this, you're going to stay in school, you're, and blah, blah, blah. He ended up graduating. And the kid was just, he was probably the funniest kid. He came up to me and goes, uh, Coach Cloyd, now that I've graduated high school, can I call you James? I said, no. I said, you have to graduate college before you earn the right to call me James. It's still Coach Cloyd or Mr. Cloyd to you. And he just looks at me and he smiles, but he just gives us his biggest smile. And I'm just like, wow, you know, we helped save that kid, you know. Yeah. Um, another situation, and it's funny how things happen. I just... You know, as the wrestling community, you know, someone has a baby, you know, you, you send them a gift card, say, hey, congrats, thinking you and your you and your family, you know, same if you lose someone, you know, we're usually sending, hey, sorry, sending condolences. Um, I was talking to one of our assistant coaches for the club and just chit-chatting with him and we're talking about things. He goes, wow, he goes, let me tell you about the story about this kid who's just really turned it around. And then as we got to talk, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was just thinking what I was going to share. I said, you've just given me the perfect story to share today. And 
we, you know, one of the things that we've talked about with Amawa is just clubs helping other clubs. And so I had a, a coach, um, mom wanted her kid, kid to wrestle. She, she reached out to him and he said, okay, based on the area you live, I think you should, uh, check out this club right here. It's close to your home and everything. So sure enough, she checks out the club. She joins. Well, it turns out they don't really have a novice program. And they said, well, we're not really going to be able to work with him until he gets a little more advanced, you know, because that's just, we don't have enough coaches, things like that. So our coach has been helping this, this kid and the mom and everything. And so he's ended up coaching him at three different tournaments. And even though he's not officially his coach, but again, because they've communicated, they've talked, they know that we're not trying to take the kid away or anything like that. But the uh, mom talks to the coach and says, the school talked to me the other day and they said, this is what they're noticing uh, with this young man. He's only a six-year-old. He's a in kindergarten. So he's six years old. Since he's been wrestling and he started back in uh, into November, They've noticed that he's having better uh, self-control in class. He's not acting out as much. He's actually helping his uh, uh, classmates. And he had a situation where he helped another young man calm down and regulate his emotions. And they didn't know that the kid was wrestling, but the, 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 uh, the person who had called the mom said, we're not sure what you're doing at home, but whatever you're doing at home, keep doing it because obviously it's working. So, of course, a mom calls the coach and says that she's noticed this change in him because of wrestling. And, you know, it was just a, a, a testament that, you know, give this kid an outlet where he can burn off some of that energy. But at the same time, you're teaching the kid discipline. You're teaching the kid the rules of engagement, you know. You get you lose and you still got to shake hands with someone. I mean, that's respectful right there. And and it was just great to hear that story of this young man that the school system has noticed a change in his behaviors being in kindergarten. You don't have that. You can easily get mislabeled in kindergarten as being a troublemaker, as being this and that. And then once sometimes once you get labeled, that sticks with you. Instead, now he's being labeled as someone who had a lot of energy, who was always like moving around to a young kid who's showing better self-control right now and also taking the time to help other kids have better self-control. And to me, that is like, wow, I go, you, you can't make that up. <laughs> no, it's great, man. I, you know, I, I think there's value in, in all sports. But wrestling, maybe it's just because it's the sport I love, but it it. it it's the best when it comes to those kind of things. Um, I love it. I mean, that when I was a kid, we there was a lot of inconsistencies in my life. But no matter what those inconsistencies were, wrestling always came around every December. And I, I always could, no matter how, I won't get into all of my childhood or anything, but there was a time in my life where I was miserable. But for that three months, uh, I had a goal and I was very focused on that goal and, and it made everything else not such a big deal. And it, it reminded me of earlier when I was going through that period, you spoke about a bully earlier. And I remember coming out of seventh grade and I won't get into why I was upset, but I was. And this kid that was always picking on everybody and he was a lot bigger than me. And he like pushed me and I said something to him and we got into a fight and, and, uh, and I got the better of him and, I remember the principal being like, I don't know what you were thinking, saying that to an eighth grader. And I go, I don't know what you saw, but I kicked his ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
but yeah, that that uh, I, I just love this sport for for those reasons. And you know, I the, somebody else has the title of the podcast. Um, uh, wrestling changed my life, and and I wish that I I had thought of that before he did because uh, it did. It saved my life in so many ways, and some of the things you were talking about made me remember some of the people growing up who um, were kind of an anchor for me and, and, and they weren't my parents, but I would stay with them on the weekend or whatever, go home with my friends at after tournaments. And they were like second families to me. And, and there's a lot of those people and, and I hate the internet for a lot of reasons, but there's a lot of things I love about it. And one of them is that I've been able to reach out to so many different people that I knew growing up, growing up and have them on this podcast um, people that I, I, I admired from a distance, but I didn't really know them. And I'm like, well, I can just have them on my podcast and ask them all the questions I ever wanted to ask them. And, and I'm friends with some of those people now. Some of them are NCAA champions and world champions, and, and I can call them friends. And that's the great thing about the wrestling community. I could never reach out to LeBron James and be like, hey, man, I think you're the best basketball player I've ever seen. Would you be on my podcast? He'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, but I can yes. reach out. I can reach out to Sammy Henson. And he'll be like, yeah, sure, I'll do your podcast. And, you know, for people that were, and I'm hopefully going to talk to Mark Smith, John Smith's brother, and I would never be able to reach out to Michael Jordan's brother and be like, hey, you want to talk to me and be on my podcast and tell me how hard it was to be Michael's brother? You know, <laughs> he'd, he'd be like, I, no, I don't, I'm not going to do that. But Mark Smith, you know, and he was great in his own right too. But um, anyway, I get fired up about these things. So no, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> you, no, you're exactly right. And I'm glad you're sharing. I mean, it, it's a conversation. And and just as you were saying that, it made me think about something. When I, I think I, I started earlier about how a friend talked me into wrestling. Well, I had to catch the bus sometimes to get back from practice, you know, because mom, you know, dad, they're working, things like that. So, of course, I also had to look out, look after my, my younger brother, who's three years younger than I am. So, of course, if I'm wrestling, you're going to wrestle. So, Sure enough, you know, we go to wrestling practice and we usually practice like Tuesday, Thursday, and then you had tournaments on Saturday. And of course, mom, she would never go watch us wrestle because she didn't want to see us like twisted or bent up or anything. She goes, I just can't watch it, you know? So my brother, he jokes now, you know, to this day, it's like, mom, can you believe that you let us go to wrestling practices? You let us catch the bus home by ourselves and you and the coaches we had, they're both white guys from Council Bluffs, which is right across the river from Omaha. And you let these white guys take us and they'd have us all day at tournaments and they'd drop us off at home and things like that. And we were wondering, did you have time to get other things done because we we're out of your hair for three hours, you know, for five hours or six hours or whatever? But he just laughs and he'll tell, you know, just we, we think about that now. And it's like, oh, I did. I pulled my brother into wrestling because I got pulled into wrestling and he ended up wrestling until he graduated high school. But we didn't care that our coaches were white. They didn't care that we were black. It was just that they're going to teach us the sport of wrestling. And now we still see those coaches today and their grandkids are wrestling. And so we go up and we still give them a hug or we'll say, hey, thanks for looking out, looking out for us, you know, because we didn't know anything about wrestling, but they taught us the sport. And they are willing to transport us to tournaments because my mom couldn't take us, couldn't drive us to tournaments. And so, yeah. again, the strength of the wrestling community. 
Yeah, that, that's funny. That reminds me of my high school coach was black and almost all of his kids were white. And then there was another school called Wyandotte and that coach was white and all his kids were black. And you would think it would be the opposite, but it wasn't. And it was just, uh, that's something else I love about this sport. None of that stuff matters. And uh, exactly, you know, I just so many things I love about it. Um, I got I could talk to you all day, but I get to get back to my in-laws house. They were nice enough to let me come over here and, and do this podcast with you. Um, but I did want to ask you a couple more questions. I would like to ask you about um, you also mentor at risk youth. Um, do you still do that? That's been near and dear to my life. You know, mainly when I was at boys, when I worked at boys town, that, that was what I was, you know, paid to do. And, um, throughout, uh, after leaving boys town in what, 2000, what was that? 2001. I still have folks that will reach out to me and say, Hey, I have a young person here. Can you reach out to them? And can you help with this or that? Or can you talk to the parents? So anytime someone calls, yes. Uh, in the wrestling community, sometimes folks are just, Hey, um, don't know what to do with my son, but you know, he's graduating and we really need to find a path for him. So I work in education during the day. So I'm always talking to uh, parents or kids about, Hey, what's your, what's your plan after high school? You know, what, what do you want to do? And I find like for um, a lot of our wrestlers, they do so good in the trades, you know, like, um, you know, at our, our school, I work at Metropolitan Community College, we have a utility alignment program. Well, when you're 30, 40, 50 feet in the air, there's a thrill and a rush. It's, you know, it's kind of like being in the, on the wrestling mat and you're in the finals, you know? So we notice that a lot of the folks that are in the utility alignment program, they're ex-athletes. They either played football, you know, they wrestled or, or basketball. And we find that, you know, folks that are entering the trades because they're used to, you know, working hard. They understand what it means that, you know, work hard, work outside, work indoors. Um, and so sometimes those skills translate really easily for folks who they don't, maybe they don't think they're college material. They don't think that um, they want to sit behind a, a desk every day for the rest of the, you know, their life. And so, yes, yeah, so I do still kind of, you know, do that mentoring and, and even family and relatives, you know, we're talking about, Hey, what's your, um, do you have a, a, a budget? Have you, let's talk about, you know, managing your money better, you know, things like that. It's just, if, I can share some 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 kernels of knowledge with someone where they can learn from my mistakes or or learn because no one's ever told them this, you know, and it can be from simple things, how to buy your first car or whatever the case may be. You know, sometimes they just need someone who cares enough to listen and then offer some advice. Yeah. What what can what constitutes like an at risk youth and what what's the main thing you try to convey to them, like to look beyond just your current situation or what is it? Yeah, no, great question. When I worked at Boys Town, um, our at risk youth, you know, they were basically they were sent to Boys Town either a because of something they had did wrong or <clears throat> it was the things that their parents weren't doing, you know, and so what we found is those kids, they just needed structure. They just needed consistency with love and care, you know? And so whenever kids would enter our home, my wife and I, I started there as an assistant, but my wife and I lived there as uh, a married couple. So we had eight kids in our care. And anytime we get a new kid, we tell them, okay, you got to go to school. You have to go to church and you have to either work after school or you have to be in the sport. And so of course, if kids, I don't know what sport I'm going to do. Have you ever wrestled? That was always my first question. Have you ever wrestled? You should wrestle, you know? And so, 
lot of kids end up wrestling in our home just because they didn't want to work and have a job. And but talk about rewarding, you know, when you talk about at risk. So these kids, we're teaching them structure, academic skills, independent living skills, and uh, just social skills. You know, just simple things like when when you introduce yourself to someone, how to look them in the eye, extend your hand, give a firm handshake, and say hello. My name is, you know, things like that treating them how to appropriately disagree. You know, uh, they didn't learn those things because maybe they had bad role modeling, but um, you may not always like what someone tells you, but if you can say, okay, and accept that, and then come back and ask to talk about it later, you're going to be more likely to get what you want, or at least get an understanding. But if you start arguing right then and there, it's definitely going to be a no, or you're going to earn more consequences, you know? Uh, but those skills, we taught them a lot of those skills. And eventually the goal was to get them uh, reunification with their families. And if they didn't have a family, they might stay. And so, it, you know, I was I always tried to say, if you can basically help these kids, instead of taking high risk, making high risk decisions, make low risk decisions. You know, that high risk decision is I'm going to speed while drunk, while not wearing a seatbelt. I'm going to be traveling 100 miles an hour. That's a high risk, you know. Uh, low risk would be I'm going to go five miles over the speed limit. I'm going to set the cruise. I'm going to have my seatbelt on. If you can teach those kids to make the low risk decisions, yeah, you're still going to try things as a kid, but do the low risk things that won't like ruin your life. You know, that's going to have you end up in jail or you know doing you know some other consequence that you don't want. And so that's really what we tried to do. And to have those kids come back even to this day and say thank you. Again, it's, it's, it's rewarding because they don't always get it when you tell it to them, but sometimes it clicks in a year later or two years later, three years later, when they call you back and say, hey, it's Father's Day. I just want to thank you for everything you did. Uh, wow. That's that's worth more than a million dollars. Yeah. Sometimes it's 20 years later, man. I, yeah. you know, I quit drinking almost 13 years ago. And I'm not, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I used to drive after drinking and all that crap and, and something, and it was probably something I, from wrestling in a roundabout way, but I remember telling myself, like, it only takes once, you know, like I've gotten away with it hundreds of times, but it only takes once to kill somebody, to kill myself, to get a DUI, to, you know, whatever. I never got a DUI. I, I never, I feel like, I had an angel on my shoulder in a lot of in a lot of regards growing up and some of the dumb things I did and and I think a lot of that stuff comes back to wrestling like my high school coach was very he was a very hard man um and his thing was you know no matter what happened to you his his uh, philosophy if that's what you want to call it was what are you going to do about it you know be like that sucks that that happened and ultimately he taught me that everything in life is an excuse some are better than others certainly but it's ultimately an excuse like but what it boils down to at the very end of no matter how much you're crying about whatever or whatever bad has happened what are you going to do about it <laughs> you yes. know and yes. that's that, that's a, at the root of everything you know you're just like well this happened and that happened i can cry about it and your friends will your friends will sympathize and they'll counsel you as much as they can. But at the end of all of it, what are you going to do about it? And there's always a something that you can do, no matter how painful it is. Um, there's always something. Um, That's, you're right. What action will you take? Yeah. Now, 
And I know you may have a, another question for me, but I do want to ask you a question before we end as well. Okay. Can I go now? Please, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, just, you know, it's been great talking with you, just learning a little bit about you and things like that. But how did you get into comedy? You know, because, you know, wrestlers, we have, sometimes you have many talents. How did, how did you find this life? Um, well, I mean, I was always, I was always funny growing up and that's, we moved around a lot and that's how I would always make friends. Like I would eventually find my, uh, a, a way in class to, to make people laugh, even though I was kind of, I was kind of shy and reserved and all that until you got me. Um, but I could always find a way to, to be funny. And I, I think I have a, I wish I had tried more acting and that kind of thing. Cause I think I could be good at it. But to answer your question, um, I was getting ready to graduate. I was getting closer and closer to entering the school of education. I was going to be a teacher and a wrestling coach, um, but I didn't really want to do those things. I didn't, I'd never been, I, I think even now, I think I would be good at the mental aspect of it. Like if my son wants to wrestle, but I was always kind of a natural wrestler and I've never been good at explaining technique and that kind of thing. And I, I did enough teacher aiding to know that I didn't really want to be a teacher. And the closer I got to it, though, I started having anxiety about it. I'm like, I'm getting ready to, for the final step to become a teacher. I'm four years into college, but I don't really want to do this. I've just been saying it for four years, and now it's here. And a friend of mine had me listen to a, a CD one night. It was a guy named Bill Hicks. And she asked me if I wanted to ride home. And I said, no, I'm going to walk back to my apartment. And by the time I walked back to my apartment, I thought to myself, that is the funniest guy I've ever heard, and I've never heard of him. So I can do this for a living, even if I never get famous. And I went to my counselor the next day and I was like, I have a hundred something credits. Um, I want to go ahead and graduate, but I don't want to be a teacher. I'm going to be a comedian. And, but I might as well get a degree. And she looked at her computer and she was like, you can have a social science degree next semester. And I was like, all right, I'll take one of those. I'm not sure what I can do with it, but it's not going to matter because I'm going to do stand up. And I went ahead and graduated. I never tried open mic or anything because I never wanted to get frustrated. I never wanted to get, um, I never wanted it to be something like, oh, I, I suck at this because I just knew that I could do it. Like if I put myself in the position where I had to, it was the first time in four years that I got kind of fired up about what I wanted to do with my life. And I was the, I was the kid, part of the reason I asked you about nerves is because I can tell that my little boy gets nervous about things. I used to throw up before wrestling tournaments up until the most important ones, when I was seven, when I started, I threw it before every tournament except district or sub-district, district, and state. And so I can see some of that in my boy. And I say all that to say um, that when it came to stand-up, I just knew I could do it. I just knew I could do it, even though I got, I still to this day, I've been doing it for a living for 23 years. And sometimes I get so nervous. I feel like I, 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 I feel like I've never done it a day in my life. But that's something else that wrestling helped me with. If you can go out and perform in front of hundreds of people in a singlet, um, then you can do this. And uh, I, I prepare for stand-up the same way I did wrestling, deep breaths and having a little time to myself and, and all of those things. And if it wasn't for wrestling, I couldn't be a stand-up, which is kind of strange for people who didn't wrestle to understand. But if you wrestle, you completely understand it. Yes. Um, so that may have been a long-winded answer, but that's what led me to to do stand-up. And 
hopefully I'll, I'll be smart enough to stand back and let someone else coach my boy if he wants to wrestle. Um, and I think I'm going to make him do it anyway um, because I think he'll be good at it. And I think it'll teach him a lot. And I, I want to just get him some good coaches and stay out of the way. But when it comes time for calming his nerves and all that, I can already tell that I'm good at that as far as like, cause he's already telling me like, uh, daddy, I don't want to go to school. He's just in pre-kindergarten, but right. uh, I'm, I'm like, instead of saying you don't want to go say, I get to go. I get to go play with my friends. I get to go to recess. I get to learn. And just doing that, James, has helped him so much be like, yeah, I get to do this. And I'm 48 yeah. years old and I can be like, I get to do stand up. I don't have to do this. You know, I get to do it. And it, it's, you never get too old to stop learning that stuff. So sorry for the longest answer on the planet, but that's what got me into it. No, that it's great learning. And and you're right. I mean, once you've wrestled, you can pretty much do anything. And and what you just talked about, just being able to decide, I don't want to be a teacher. That is what we try to help students with all the time is figure out what you want to do in life that you're going to enjoy. Don't just be an accountant because you can make this this amount of money. You can be miserable making that amount of money or you can make a little bit less and you can be happy every day, you know. And, and you got to find where your passion is. So kudos for you for like, you know, having the instincts to say, you know what, I'm going to follow my passion. I'm not going to follow this thing I don't want to do. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, what is the, gosh, I've got like 10 more questions, but I don't have time for all of them. <laughs> um, uh, what, going back to your own career, which we didn't get to really talk about a lot. Can you point to one guy that was the best or toughest guy you ever wrestled? Oh, wow. You know, if I had to think back, you know, um, my my senior year, we had a high school that closed. So I went to Omaha North High School and we had six, usually about six good wrestlers. You know, we'd always, you know, have a few qualifiers, but never once I hadn't won state in a, in a while. Omaha Tech closed. So we got six of their good wrestlers. So all of a sudden now you got six of their good wrestlers, six of ours. We're now in contention for the championship. And I tell you, that senior year was probably the some some of the best competition that we had in Omaha. We had one guy who was a three-time state champion. He might have been four, Dwayne Martin, uh, wrestled uh, in the Army after that. Uh, we had Ro Ron Coleman, who was at least a two-time uh, state champion. His son, Berger, was a four-time state champion. Uh, Corey uh, Taylor, I used to go against Corey Taylor all the time, phenomenal wrestler. But we had so much talent in that room that I think just being in that room every day, I went against Corey Taylor. He was 167. I was 155. But those guys made me better. And I just kept thinking, wow, if I would have had this instruction three years ago, you know, and back then you started high school in 10th, uh, 10th grade, ninth grade was still middle school, but nothing against the coaches before, but it was just that whole level of competition and just the, the way they set the bar, you know, things like that. That was the same coach that criticized, you know, hey, you you, lost, you won in 18 seconds. You should have seen that that kid was scared of you. I mean, they were always setting the bar high. And it was just, there was just so much talent in that room. And I just, you know, Corey Taylor was just a, a phenomenal wrestler. He was on the same team that I was on. But I would, you know, sometimes the lighter guys would wrestle us. And 
I mean, it was fierce, you know, but I learned so much in that year and just realizing how many state champions we had that year. We ended up winning state that year. So every point counted, you know, so I, I go, I didn't win. A, I never won a state championship individual title, but I, I'm proud of the fact that the points I did earn in state helped contribute to that, that team title and uh, just the friendships afterwards. Um, and like I said, after that, um, another guy from Millard North, uh, Pat Friend, guy i used to wrestle all the time strong fierce guy um yeah it was it was just a lot of a lot of tough matches but it, it taught you how to get back out there and do it again and yep i lost today but it doesn't mean i can't get better tomorrow yeah i love that man and uh, uh between you know i don't know if you ever thought about this but between your wife is a mental health practitioner and a substance abuse counselor um and what you've done for the youth of uh of Omaha and, and Nebraska in general. And uh, you, you, you both have done a lot of great things to help strengthen our society. And I hope you, I hope you realize that. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I keep telling her we should write a book someday, you know, because I tell you, man, she's, she's a, she's a good wrestling mom. I mean, she's at all the meets and everything. And she just has a way of balancing who I am. I'm the outgoing one, the extrovert. She's the introvert, but we just, you know, we're, uh, one thing we did right is we we had a philosophy how we wanted to raise our kids, you know, and we wanted to raise them with lots of love and lots of care and give them give them the opportunities we didn't have. And so yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I read a little bit about your boys in the, in the bio too and what they're doing and and how successful they've been and and that um, you know you guys deserve a lot of credit for that and I'm I'm happy for you and I'm looking forward to meeting you in a couple weeks in Omaha and because uh, you said you're getting to come to a show, right? Yep, we're coming to a show, and we got the word out, so we'll hopefully the wrestling community will turn out. Uh, I'll, I'm going to talk to my youngest son. He works for Nebraska USA Wrestling to see if he's going to, you know, attend. You know, sometimes he likes to do things like that, and it probably depends on if he has any any uh, meets to cover that night or not. But um, hopefully we'll get a good turnout for you. Yeah, well, even if even if you can't get anybody out, that that's okay. It's a pleasure talking to you, and uh, I look forward to meeting you in person. And um, very grateful to, for men like you and, and your wife who are helping so much in our society, um, especially substance abuse and all that thing. That kind of thing is is just through the roof, and and a lot of that stuff is rooted in childhood. Um, so. Yes. You're, you're, you're doing God's work and, uh, I, I appreciate it and it's great to meet you and, and I'll have you on again and we'll talk about some of the stuff I didn't get to ask you because I, there's so many things I want to ask you about who your favorite wrestler is. I want to ask you what the difference is between wrestling shape and being in, and regular shape. Cause that's something people don't understand either. Yes. Um, some, I was doing something for my father-in-law the other day and it kind of mimicked wrestling and and i'm like every now and again i'm like i'm gonna enter an old timers tournament and then i was doing something where i was rolling something up for him and i was like hurting my lower back and i'm like oh that's right <laughs> this shit is really hard on your lower back you know and that was the worst thing about wrestling somebody pulling on your head and you realize how quickly your lower back gets tired but um oh i'd welcome to come back anytime and have that conversation Okay. All right, buddy. Well, it was great meeting you and God bless you. And I'll let you, I think this is going to be up tomorrow. So, um, you know, share it on your Facebook and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah. Well, well, thank you for everything you do. And I'm going to think about that question about your, your son and his nervousness. And I'll hopefully have an answer for another, you know, personalized answer for you also on that, you know, because the fact that you're recognizing it, that is something that 
you do want to like, hey, how can I help him, you know, feel more comfortable in this situation? Because those nerves, you may have the same nerves if you're performing for the first time or if you have to, you know, give a speech in class, you know, things like that. So, again, if we can, you know, help generalize that in other areas so he's less nervous. But, you know, as a dad, the fact that you're recognizing that is is fantastic and you have to kind of meet him where it's at, where he's at. Yeah, I remember how awful a feeling it was. And and I, I don't have to even remember because I still feel it all the time sometimes. I mean, a few years ago, I thought I was going to have to quit comedy because it was getting it was getting so bad. And, and this I had been doing it for a living for 16 years at that point. And a friend of mine told me, like, Roberto Clemente forgot how to throw a first base for a little while. And uh, I won't get into all the reasons why I got over it, but I did. And now I have, like, a normal amount of nerves. But I was having it days in advance. And I'm like, if I feel this way as an adult, then, good Lord, how bad does he feel at five? And and I, I remember how – I remember just laying on my mom's bed waiting for her to take me to school and just, like, willing myself not to throw up. You know, because I was just so like, and now that I'm an adult, I'm like, what are we so freaking scared about? But when you're a kid, man, it's yes, it's brutal. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. So I don't want him to have to. I want to teach him how to deal with it from a younger age. Because when I was his age, I didn't think anybody else felt that way. And now that I'm older and I can see from the outside view, I'm like, a lot of people deal with that stuff. You know. Yeah, but, but that was the hardest part for me was I thought I was the only kid who dealt with any of that. But that's not true, you know. Yeah. And you said it best. You know, some of it's normal, but when it's above this level here and it's you know a little higher. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Because some of that, you know, when I DJ, I always still get butterflies to this day. And, I, you know, you do your whole thing. Who's the man? I'm the man, you know. But when it's beyond that. Yeah. OK, what's going on? You know. Um, yeah, I love having those kind of conversations with my wife because, you know, she always approaches it from a different perspective, you know, with her background and everything. And sometimes she, I'm like, oh, I never thought about that. Oh, well, that makes sense, you know? Yeah. And something else I'm already, I'm already trying to get across to my boy is that sometimes in life, son, the only thing you have, the only option you have is to suck it up. sometimes you're going to be hungry. Sometimes you're going to be tired. Sometimes you're going to be this and that and that. And sometimes all you can do is suck it up. And that has helped me. There are times where I'm still so nervous. I can't hardly see straight. And I have to be like, you're fine. You know what you're doing? Quit being a pansy about it. Just go (laughs) do it. And then I do and I'm fine. So sometimes, you know, and it's great to have those tools, you know, to just to call upon and be like, you've been here before. You're fine. You're a professional act like one and just go out and do it. You know, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. There's, there's a book called a winning state for wrestling that talks about mental toughness and developing a routine and, you know, getting your brain, your body in a habit of certain things. It's definitely a a good read. Uh, As an adult, we, uh, my wife, you know, she read it. I skimmed through it because I'm like, "Ah, I know a lot of this stuff, but I go back and go, Oh, that's actually very good. Oh, let me underline that. Oh, that's really good. But um, it, it, some of that, you know, kind of, deals with a little bit of that and how to, you know, just create um, a routine so that when you, once your body, you know, recognizes that you have a routine, that it, some things do feel a little more normal, you know, and you don't have that anxiety that's associated with it. But again, that's not my area of expertise, but it's just, it was a good read and you may find, you may find it interesting with your wrestling background. Yeah, I think I would. Well, man, I got to get out of here, but I really enjoyed talking to you, James, and uh, have a great rest of your day and 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 happy new year and God bless you. And I'll uh, 
I'll see you soon and I'll, I'll, I'll message you as soon as this is all ready to go. All right, Tim. Thank you and have a happy new year. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everybody. James Cloyd. I really enjoyed talking to him. What a great guy. And uh, his kids are very lucky to have him and, and his wife as well. It sounds like she's a, an amazing woman. I was reading about her a little bit. And uh, I, I love this sport for a variety of reasons. And uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. I say this all the time on these podcasts, but you know, I have to like stop myself because these conversations could take I could talk to wrestling people for five hours and it'd be like nothing because as I said in the podcast, part of the hardest thing is that it makes me think of so many stories and I have to like stop myself like this ain't about you, dude. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, as always go to making it happen, M-A-C-A-N it happen.com help out little Bo making and his family. If you're in the Omaha area, I would love to see you at the funny bone January 5th and 6th. I've got three shows there. Um, the, link for tickets is scrolling across the bottom of the screen there. If you just go to omahafunnybone.com and find that, um, I would love to see you guys as many wrestling people as we can out there to the show. It's a great club, great food and uh, great staff and everything. I really enjoy performing there. It's been too long and, and that's it. So without any further ado, God bless all of you. Have a great happy new year and uh, that's it. Take care. Goodbye.